Bobcat. Nick Harold is a rescue partner, and Joshua Johnson. I'm here to make you laugh, challenge your mind, and help you build a foundation. This is the Dynasty Bowl, presented by the Dynasty Football Wheel. Welcome to the Dynasty Pulse Podcast. I am your host, Joshua Johnson. Uh, with me, as always, is Nick. Hail to the Redskins, Wagner. Sorry about the moment, pause moment there, Nick. I was going to say something witty, but I just I just lost it. So, Nick, how the hell are you? Oh, doing great, other than the Redskins, of course. Uh, but we all expected that. So, <laughs> how are you doing today, Josh? Yeah, and no, no offense taken to you, or meant to your Redskins, Nick, but I kept watching that game Thursday night thinking, how does this team beat St. Louis? It just it just, just boggled my mind. Uh, the, the Rams had to have just overlooked them. That, that's the only thing I can figure. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Well, we have a great show for you planned today. Um, Brian Sweet, our uh, daily fantasy sports assassin here on staff, is going to be joining us here in about 15 minutes. Um Looking forward to that as we can grill him with all our all our daily daily questions. We're going to do a little buy low, sell high. And uh, in case you missed it this morning, Jeff Melbostead, one of the owners here at DFW, put out his uh, Dynasty Stock Watch article. Uh, that is the article that Jeff was made to write. That's what he was born to do. So you need to check that out because it's always good stuff. Of course, Bruce Bruce put out the IDP waiver wire yesterday. Um, as well as Bill Servi. We're going to have uh, some sit-and-starts coming up this week, too, with uh, Luke Grilly doing the offensive players for you and uh, Jay Liston doing the defensive players with just a little bit of help from myself. So I'm pretty excited about writing, got a chance to write a little sit-and-startum IDP style. So took a little bit of an offensive angle in that article. So I think you'll see what I mean as I was Finally had time to really dig in deep to the uh, premium stats on Pro Football Focus. So uh, look out, Nick. I'm, I'm focused, as we'll, <laughs> as we'll metaphorically say. Um, uh, but uh, a whole lot of other things coming to you as well. Uh, if, you, if you really need just to let it go Monday morning, let's say your Redskins lost again, Nick, or whatever. You got you got to read Burgundy's Monday morning breakdown. It's just just a train of kind of like a stream of consciousness article for Burgundy through the weekend. Uh, just just good stuff. I mean, you, you'll you'll laugh, you'll agree, you'll maybe even get a little mad, but uh, that's just how it goes. Uh, so by those sell high, that's where we're. Then Brian's going to stop by it. Of course, we have some sort of stardom. Can we talk about a handful of guys to see if we think they're droppable? Uh, We have a great dynasty dilemma today. We put David Johnson versus Matt Jones. Um, Two of those three players were uh, part of a question in the Q&A this Saturday. I don't know if you read that, Nick, but I actually was on a different side than I am today during the dynasty dilemma. So it was fun, fun for me to put on both shoes here in this dilemma. 
Uh, of course, we'll do a little dynasty trade analysis as we really put Mike Evans' value to the test. Uh, talk about some disappointments. Nick's going to rant about a certain quarterback. Nick's also got a dynasty depth charger for you. For you, and a, then we'll have some ATS time with Chuck Podesty, and there's not 16 games this week to really bend our minds, Nick, so looking forward to that, and I should say, Chuck, his article that comes out every Saturday night or Sunday morning, Inside the Lions, Chuck Podesty was 5-0 and this week, so that makes him 10-5 and on the year, so you got to read that, folks, before you call your bookie Sunday morning. That's, that's where you need to stop. So, um, and don't don't bet on that London game. Just just read it while you're watching the London game this week, all right? Uh, next week, coincidentally, we have another DFW writer. Uh, his name is Alex. Oh, we'll say. I'm not going to – I don't have the courage to try to pronounce his last name yet. He's going to help us out with that next week, and I'll try not to butcher it. But like I said, an exciting show lined up for you today. Um, Nick, any, any thoughts there just kind of on the weekend and, and how what happened and anything crazy? You know, the quarterback down, obviously. Yeah, that's really a big blow for Pittsburgh. Uh, hopefully Michael Vick can keep them, you know, at least right around that 500 mark until Big Ben comes back. Uh, definitely got a feel for those Steelers and the Steeler, Steeler fan base there. But, uh, yeah, well, lots of good things happening. Uh, the Eagles finally right in the ship. I did not expect them to get the win against the Jets. Uh, the Broncos are 3-0. Uh, the Colts finally got themselves a win. Uh, Titans, too bad they gave up 21 points there in that fourth quarter in Indianapolis. But it's been a long time, I think, since, uh, since uh, the Titans have knocked off the Colts, but they couldn't get it done again this week. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, it wasn't necessarily an elite backfield by Detroit, but I was so impressed with that Denver run defense. It looks like every time a Detroit running back got the ball, there was three white jerseys on him before he hit the line of scrimmage. Uh, they really got a good thing going there in Denver. Um, but I, I really don't know, you know, about my Raiders in that division. You look at – if you want to really, you know, split hairs and put a couple teams right against each other, look at KC and how, you know, how that game went against Denver and then look what happened to KC on, uh, on Monday night. I mean, they're, I don't think our division is maybe necessarily in in, a, in, a, in an upper class, not, not quite like uh, – well, anybody can't go to Green Bay, but uh, Green Bay and New England seem to be the top two teams. Uh, what do you think about the dynasty uh, value of guys like uh, – I think Le- Le'Veon Bell maybe gets a little boost with Big Ben out, but how, how are you feeling about your guy AB84 with uh, with uh, Michael Vick under center, Nick? Well, I mean, it's not like Michael Vick's a rookie he's never played before. Michael Vick's an experienced veteran who should be able to continue to get the ball to to, to Antonio Brown. He's probably not going to be the top receiver in fantasy like he has been over the last year or so, but in the top five, I think he would still re- retain that kind of value. Yeah, um, and it's not like Michael Vick has got a got a weak arm or anything. He's got a he's got a laser still and. They, they do, Pittsburgh players say he's probably one of the top five fastest guys on this team still, even at uh, his heightened age. I actually don't think, you know, besides the actual size of the quarterbacks, I don't think it's that going to be that big a factor. I mean, we see Big Ben extend plays, whether he's, you know, throwing a defender off of his back or just keep running around. Vic obviously has that type of capability as well. 
Um, they're going to get uh, Martavius Bryant back in the week two, which I think is going to really actually help AB84 stay on, stay on that top that top five PPR option there. So when they have a, to have a giant like that in the red zone, it's going to help. And uh, I, I don't think it's going to be that big a drop-off. I think there's some people a little too worried about that. But uh, we got some buy lows and sell high for you. So uh, Nick, why don't you start here? What do you got for what do you got for buy low? Uh, well, I'm going to start off the guy, uh, Robert Woods there in Buffalo. Uh, you know, Sammy Watkins misses time. People are going to chase the bigger name than Percy Harvin. But I think the more traditional wide receiver, Robert Woods, would be a more consistent option. He had 65 catches last year. That was tied with Sammy Watkins. But Fred Jackson actually led the team in receptions. He's gone now. And more importantly, Tyrod Taylor has really electrified this passing attack. So I think Robert Woods is a good, uh, good, good one to start with. Uh, did you want me to hit all of them or just go back and forth? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, okay, next up I got uh, Andy Dalton. You know, at first glance, Andy Dalton would actually appear to be a sell-high candidate with eight touchdowns, one interception, plus a rushing touchdown. But for whatever reason, Dalton just gets no respect from the majority of the fantasy uh, football community. Uh, now, the Bengals have not ran the ball as well as last year. They've only got one 100-yard game between their two running backs. That's one for Giovanni Bernard, none for Hill. And if that continues, Cincinnati could have to rely more on Andy Dalton. And this is a guy who did have 33 touchdowns and nearly 4,300 yards back in 2013. So he has produced before. And then finally, I've got a C.J. Spiller. You know, he only had one carry, two receptions last week, three carries and one catch the week before. Spiller was a popular sleeper heading into the season. But, you know, a lot of owners give up on their sleepers quickly if they don't produce right away. And I think that could be a situation with C.J. Spiller. And the team said this week they want to get him more involved. The biggest key to me is the quarterback there, Drew Brees, who already looked like he was losing arm strength. Now he's dealing with a shoulder injury. Uh, you know, he could be forced to check the ball down even more often than he was. And that would, I think, would lead to a lot more work for Spiller. Uh, yeah, I like that. He he can be that pass catcher, you know, like Sproles was in that offense, I think. I think he can be be good there. And, and I love Robert Woods, too. We've been we've been talking about him a little bit here and there. And, you know, you know I love the Red Rifle. I might might be the only one out there. Do you think he's – maybe I've said this before, but do you think he's ever considered painting black stripes in his hair just because it's, like, the same color as now? I just – this should be kind of cool. Um, I got Ryan Tannehill. I think, you know, this this Green Bay, excuse me, this Dolphins team is, is, is bad right now, but I don't think they're as bad as they showed against Buffalo. And I, I, they might not be even as bad as they might look against the Jets this weekend in London. But uh, you know, Tannehill is far from done. Um he he still has a lot of career ahead of him, and I think they have a lot of weapons on this team that people that are yet to get involved. So I think this team could rally around him, even if this isn't a playoff team. You know, we're talking dynasty people here. If somebody's ready to get rid of a young quarterback like that, you have to really consider that and look at your options and look at the age of your quarter, your current starting quarterback and whatnot. Because Tannehill is a guy that I think is, you could really grab, and if he's if you can get him for something less right now because this team is so a down and out, I think you got to do that. Uh, Michael Floyd, I think the guy is just 25 or 26 years old. I mean, why not? Um, just because Larry Legend looks like he's 25 right now, uh, he's the season is still young, and he is not that young. Uh, also, John Smokey Brown is Mighty Mouse, but he's not exactly Antonio Brown just yet. Like I said, Floyd is 25. 
and he will be healthy at some point in this season. I, I really believe, I said this in the question and answer coming up on Saturday, I really believe that Arizona, if, like we say, keep saying that Palmer stays healthy, they could have three top 30 wide receivers the rest of the way. I know Floyd struggled out of the gate, but if you can get him for a little bit less than you could have this offseason, you got to do that. Um, Roy Hallou as well. Uh, you know, I'm not ever going to dissuade my Raiders from using Marcel Reese like they have early on in the season. Uh, but once Halu clicks with this playbook, I think he could be a PPAR gem again. You know, a nice bi-week filler. Um, it's It's been slow going. He's been inactive. I think he's had one catch so far. But I, I think you're going to see him at some point make a difference in this offense. And I wanted to throw an ADP name guy in there, too. If For me, Wilson never gets on the field. I think it's going to be impossible to sell him out. You know, he might be the most talented defender on any NFL bench right now. Derek Johnson has a seniority, uh, but Wilson will be the priority, uh, dot, 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 eventually. So uh, just keep that in mind if you need a linebacker because your guys are getting old. And uh, it's rookies that haven't made an impact yet, if you can get them for, you know, maybe like a fourth or fifth round pick right now, you're going to have that jump next year. Instead of drafting a wide receiver in your fourth and fifth round, you know, this coming May, if you had a guy that you could have gotten this year and missed on, like a Justin Hardy, Chris Conley, who finally got his first NFL reception on Monday night, if you can get a guy like that for maybe the round that that player drafted that I'm in, I, I think you got to go for it, especially if you need receiver depth. It's always good to have receiver depth in Dynasty and Hardy and Conley are two, two guys that I really like and I think are very talented. Uh, Nick, what do you got for sell high for us? Uh, for sale highs, I'm going to start with uh, Alfred Blue, uh, the running back there in Houston. 31 carries, 139 yards in the touchdown last week. But the week before that, he only had five carries compared to 14 carries for uh, Chris Polk. So not only is he on a questionable offense, but his usage is also unpredictable. And, of course, we expect Arian Foster back at some point. And even if Foster comes back and gets hurt again, the, the Texans have a rough schedule. After their November 8 bye, they're at Cincinnati, home against the Jets and the Saints, at Buffalo, home against New England, at Indianapolis. Houston could be playing from behind in all of those games and forced to abandon the run. So I'd be a little a little sketchy on uh, on counting on Alton Blue or any of the Houston running backs short of Arian Foster if he's healthy. Uh, moving on, we got Peyton Manning. Uh, last week, 324 yards, two touchdowns, 31 out of 42. But, you know, even though the numbers were there, Peyton just isn't the same quarterback as he used to be. And if he's throwing 40 times every single week, his arm might fall off mid-November. I think if you can find somebody who still believes in him, by all means, sell high on Peyton Manning right now. And finally, I got Eddie Lacy. Now, I love watching Eddie Lacy play. I love watching him play. And I don't know if I've ever seen somebody that big be so nimble. And that's what scares me. He's listed at 240, and maybe my eyes are lying to me, but he looks a lot bigger than 240 to me. So between his physical running style, his size, and the quick cuts he makes, it just seems like an injury is inevitable. And even if he does stay healthy, James Starks is running very well and could uh, conceivably get more playing time, and that would ease into late season close. So Eddie Lacy, even though I love him, he's a guy I would think about selling high on. Well, and maybe that green and yellow just isn't very flattering for the figure. I mean, it is the same color as, like, the John Deere tractor. So maybe just automatically, can we just think, because that's been such a historic and synonymous with machinery, we just maybe think that it's, you know, it's actually bigger than they are. So um, 
Well, Aaron Rodgers is still certainly larger than life. But uh, um, we have Brian on the phone. So I'm going to get to my sell highs <clears throat> excuse me, when uh, we get done with Brian. But I don't want to keep, keep our assassin waiting much longer. Brian, are you there? Yeah, I am. How's it going? How's it going? Good. It is Brian Sweet. I have decided to call him our daily assassin here at DFW. Uh, he writes a couple couple articles per week, uh, getting you caught up with Dynasty, excuse me, with Daily. And just another way that DFW is so awesome is we, you know, we're talking Dynasty all the time and we have all this stuff for, you know, progressions and rookies and, and scouting reports, but we do everything. We do the other end of the spectrum. We're going to talk we're going to talk a little betting later on, uh, but we are f- officially a full-service site because now we have our daily assassin on staff, and that is Mr. Brian Sweet. So, Brian, thank you for joining us. Oh, glad to, man. I love talking daily fantasy football. It is that, that bridge in between Dynasty and Redraft. You, got the, you, you can be involved in daily fantasy and the other two all at the same time. It is, it's actually the perfect storm going on right now in fantasy football. Yeah, yeah, you can uh, – take a break from complaining about your winless dynasty team and uh, just get on the FanDuel or uh, DraftKings and just set up a different lineup just of uh, players that you wish you would have had. Um, exactly. So what? why don't you just dig a little deeper there for us? What, are, what is kind of your, your, your philosophy and maybe how you started or what, what helped you early on become successful with this type of thing? Well, I mean, if you watch a football game nowadays, you're going to see 27 commercials for FanDuel or DraftKings, and that, that's kind of what, what got my my interest a few years ago. Was I'm like, you know, hey, I'm I'm kind of intrigued by this. It's it's a neat concept. Let's look into it. See what what it uh, what it entails. Well, come to find out, it's it's kind of the best of both worlds if you're a fan of redraft because you got basically a draft every week. You've got players who, if they get hurt, you know what, that's fine. It may have cost me this week, but next week I can move on. So it's just the, the draw of that starts over every every Thursday or every Sunday. That is the, was the biggest draw for me to begin with. Um, starting out, it was just, you know, let's throw some money on the site and put lineups together and didn't really have a game plan to start with. Uh, I learned quickly that that is not the best strategy for daily fans because there are people who do this for a living nowadays. Um, so I had to learn quickly, hey, management of your bankroll is key. You don't throw all your money into these big, huge, life-changing tournaments because your odds of catching are considerably lower. you got to know how to get in certain types of contests in order to maintain the money that you need to play with all season. Uh, you know, obviously injuries, depth charts, uh, everything like that come, comes into play even more on a week-to-week basis than it does in your typical redraft or dynasty format. Um, so keeping up with the news is imperative on a week-to-week basis. Uh, you, you know, once you have a lineup set and those games start, you're you're locked in at that point. You can't go back and go, oh well, I'm gonna I'm gonna drop somebody and pick up this this future running back, you know, a Carlos Williams type guy. So that's uh, those are two of the biggest biggest points I think that I can give is just bankroll management and staying on top of the, of the, all the latest news, uh, injury trends, stuff like that. Uh, do you like using uh, teammates and like, in what capacity, whether it be, you know, 
quarterback to wide receiver, if it's like mm-hmm. a juicy matchup like this week, Amari Cooper, Derek Carr, that type of thing. Do, do you like sure, that? Absolutely. I know some guys do that. Is that called bracketing or something? I, can't, I don't know the technical uh, term for it. I think, I think the term that most people use is stacking, where you're, where you're okay. basically increasing your odds of success. Um, like you mentioned, most of the time the stack involves a quarterback and his number one wide receiver, or maybe a tight end in the case of like Gronk or maybe Travis Kelsey, something like that. Um, is that basically what that does is if you're projecting that receiver or that tight end to have a big game, his quarterback is going to have a big game as well. So you can kind of double dip on the points there, and it gives you that a little bit of variance. Um, another stack that a lot of people don't really consider but for daily games is effective is stacking a team's running back with that team's defense. Again, the same holds true. If their defense is playing well, they're probably winning the game. As you get into the second half later on in the game, they're going to turn to that running back to grind the clock and, and run out the, you know, run out the time and, and get the win. So you're, the purpose of it basically is to try and maximize your point value while minimizing your risk. Um, and that's, the biggest risk with a quarterback and wide receiver stack is missing on the wide receiver. Uh, you know, if you take Aaron Rodgers and uh, Randall Cobb last week, that was great. If you paired up, uh, you know, <clears throat> Jeremy Macklin with Alex Smith, you had a great game. You use Alex Smith and Travis Kelsey, wasn't quite as good. You know, Andy Dalton and Kyle Archer, Heifert didn't work out for you. So the biggest step there is just trying to zero in on that guy uh, at the receiver position, that's going to maximize your value. Yeah, and like you know, weird things happen. I in every, in every game, I you know, trying to keep talking to my Raiders here, but you look at Cooper, who had a really good game last week against Joe Hayden, which is something probably a lot of people didn't expect. Uh, but he's not the one that scored the touchdowns, which is which is interesting and made me sweat too. But uh, Nick, do you have any <laughs> questions there? Yeah, you uh, talked about managing your budget. So are you a guy that uh, is not likely to spend a whole lot of money on a guy like Aaron Rodgers or Rob Gronkowski and more looking for value play to have an overall stronger roster, or do you like to throw big money down on those big names? You know, it it comes down to points projected versus dollar amount spent. Um, Everybody has value in fantasy football. Projections are the biggest part of Bailey fantasy because you can look at, okay, I expect Aaron Rodgers to score 27 points this week. He's going to cost me $9,200. Well, I've got uh, Alex Smith projected to score me 21 points, so he's not giving me as many points, but he's only $7,000. Well, you know, you're you're looking at basically for the price for value, they're about the same. Well, if I can, if I can save, you know, $2,000 at quarterback and bump up my second running back or third receiver to offset that difference, then that's the way to go. So uh, it it really depends on matchup. I mean, I think that it's kind of a studs and duds approach almost on the big tournament because you want to have that breakout guy that's a low value, uh, 5,200, 5,300 running back uh, like LeGarrette Blount last week who got some garbage time but scored three touchdowns. Well, he far exceeded his value. Uh, you pair him up with, you know, a guy who's at the top of his game, and now you've got this this combo of high dollar and low dollar that has maximized your points. So I'm not going to say that you completely avoid the high dollar guys because 
you don't want to be giving points away, but you also have to look at, hey, if I can offset what difference I get at this position with another position, that's got to come into play as well. Okay. Um, are, are third down backs maybe a little bit better value than some studs? Because I'm assuming most of these games are, are, are PPR. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, the big difference between the two primary sites being, you know, those being FanDuel and DraftKings, uh, on FanDuel you only get a half point PPR, and then in DraftKings it's a full point. Doesn't sound like a big difference, but when you're talking third down running backs, it's an incredible difference. Um, so on FanDuel, I would say that your third down backs are probably not quite as valuable as your studs. Now, there are a few exceptions, uh, the Danny Woodheads, the Darren Sproles, who will get looks in the running game, who are a threat in the red zone. That's a little bit different because they're not strictly your pass-catching back. Uh, but on FanDuel, because you have a set roster of two running backs, you don't have an optional flex position, I think your studs are going to be your better value at that on that particular website. Now, looking at DraftKings, you've got two running backs, but you've also got a flex position. And, again, with a full-point PPR, at that point now, some of these guys start to creep into the conversation because as a third running back, now all of a sudden a guy like uh, Gio Bernard, who's maybe starting to take over for some for Jeremy Hill, guys like that who are um, involved in a passing game, especially if your game script looks like the team's going to be behind, they're going to be throwing the ball, now they become players. So, uh, unfortunately, it's not an all-encompassing answer. FanDuel, probably not. DraftKings, maybe as the third running back, they, they do carry a little more value. Okay. Have you ever used the exact same lineup in consecutive weeks, like, you know, maybe oh, I was just there this week. I'm just going to use the same guys. Well, um, I'm not going to say no, but I don't think so. <laughs> and the reason for that is yeah. because uh, every week those players get re- – their salaries get reestablished based on the prior week's mm-hmm. performance. So, you know, if you hit on a couple of lower-priced guys, which got you to that point where I was almost there, well, now all of a sudden their, their, their salary is – six or eight hundred dollars more a piece. So in order to, to get that offset you're gonna to have to change your roster. So I'm not gonna say absolutely hundred percent that I've never used the same lineup, but I would say that more likely than not the salary constraints are gonna prevent that from happening on any sort of a regular basis. Okay. And that makes a lot of sense too. It's something that's not necessarily something I considered when I wrote that question, but I'm not I don't yeah, play that no, uh, daily very often. Um Thinking of like like a guy like Ruben Randall, you know, you said Blunt was kind of asleep the last week. Ruben Randall, you know, if you played him last year and you had a or last week and had a, re, a re, rest of your crew do pretty well, you probably did really well. You know, he was I would I would imagine his salary was probably down after a pretty quiet uh, first two weeks. Uh, so I would imagine he's going to get a salary bump now. But does something like do you think something like Victor Cruz coming back comes into that salary consideration too? Do you, do you know what a guy like Ruben? I know you probably don't have it specifically in front of you, in front of you, but do you know what a guy like after a big game like that, how how much that they would jump? Um, it, it varies really, kind of depending on a multitude of factors. Uh, you, know, you spoke of Ruben Randall. You know, the return of Victor Cruz, assuming that he comes back this week. Uh, you've got to expect that it's going to have a small impact, at least, on Randall's numbers. So 
his increase might not be as much as, say, somebody like Devontae Freeman, who was a lower-priced running back last week and went absolutely bananas against the Cowboys' defense. <laughs> now now he gets a, a soft game this week. I mean, his, his salary jumped. I want to say it was $900 uh, right around that area, if I remember correctly. So uh, you're looking at, you know, a Randall increase probably of five to $600 on his big game last week. Um, but, you know, a guy like Freeman, Carlos Williams, who uh, it looks like is going to be playing for LaShawn McCoy this week, those guys got a bit of a bigger bump because their role is either grown or is kind of more set in stone. Randall still kind of the, the second or third option in that offense. Uh, you know, obviously Beckham is – the big dog there. He's a high dollar value. Um, so that's, that's definitely a situation to monitor, though. If if Cruz just is not going to play this week, it's going to make Randall another good value because he's going to be that the default second receiver. Okay. Um, Nick, did you have any other questions there? Yeah, just one more. Um, our Vegas guy, Chuck, always talks about how certain teams, like especially, say, the Steelers or the Cowboys, their uh, Vegas lines can be a little skewed in favor of that team just because they're so popular. The public likes to put a lot of money on them. Uh, do their uh, players on those teams like that, uh, do their values uh, get a little a little changed from, uh, from the sites there at all? Um, you know, I don't – I don't think that the Vegas lines have as much of an impact on value as on-field performance. Uh, obviously, that's another factor that a lot of daily fantasy players will look at is the, the lines that the over-under gives you an idea kind of, of how the game is going to flow. If a team's favored like the Patriots were last week, team's favored by a couple of touchdowns, you're probably going to assume that they're going to start running the ball a little later on. So, you know, some people who may have been high on blunt last week probably was because of the Vegas line. Um, but I don't think that it affects value uh, to any extent. I, I know I would agree with you that their their lines are skewed in Vegas, but I think that the uh, the daily sites are more performance-driven salaries and role-driven salaries versus uh, game scripts. Uh, I, I can't speak to that directly, but my opinion just in, in looking at how the salaries have kind of fluctuated over the first few weeks of the season, that seems to be the driving factor. And those those NFL guys like the Steelers and the and the Cowboys, they maybe get a little more love or maybe a little more play because they're on such popular teams and they have such wide fan bases. Yeah, I think their their ownership percentages will be affected by by fandom. Uh, you know, you you have to kind of take your heart out of fantasy football a lot of the times. Uh, you know, me being a, a diehard Lions fan, I love to see. Megatron and Stafford hook up. They haven't done it, and I've been I've been wise enough to recognize that you know their offense has become stagnant. I'm not rostering those guys right now. Um, you know I think Antonio Brown's ownership can be down this week with Michael Vick now at quarterback. Uh, I think that's going to seriously impact his numbers at least for the next few weeks. So I think you'll see his ownership drop. Um, so it's, it's an interesting uh, dynamic with fandom and just have that opportunity to have your favorite player on your team. Uh, but if you want to have long-term sustained success, you got to remove your heart from that and kind of go, hey, is, is Brandon Whedon really my best option at quarterback this week? Cowboys <laughs> <laughs> uh, fans, right? Um, uh, sorry. You, we know you. We love you guys. Star on the helmet. Um, have you ever had what, – or what is the most – acquisition budget you've ever had left over? Like, 
you kind of, you know, you go through, you pick your guys, and you're like, oh, man, mm-hmm. I got all this money left. Should, should I mean, should you have that? Or, I mean, I, I know you maybe don't think you're maximizing your lineup, but have you ever just set your lineup and said, oh, I got a lot of money left? Um, not a lot of money. I mean, you know, your definition of a lot of money, my definition of a lot of money, somebody else's definition of a lot of money might be different. Uh, two or $300 on a site uh, like FanDuel where your, your cap is 50000 two or $300 I'm okay with because um, you're probably, again, you're, you're looking more at expected value versus actual price. Uh, you know, I was actually looking at some of the numbers just briefly before we got on this call and uh, you know, one of the numbers that I, kind of stood out to me was Antonio Brown. He's the third highest wide receiver right now at $9,100 on FanDuel. But you look at a guy like Randall Cobb, who's at $8,700, you're probably going to get similar production, if not better production. Hey, if it comes down to Antonio Brown or Randall Cobb in my last spot and I have three or $400 left over, I'm not going to go out and get Antonio Brown just because he's $400 more. So there's nothing wrong with having a little left over. Now, if you're, you know, at 20% of your budget, you know, if you've got $1,000 sitting there, you probably can make a, a better adjustment at, at a second or third wide receiver or second running back. But, uh, you know, two or $300 typically is an okay. Uh, obviously, you want to maximize your dollar. Uh, so if you can bump up a defense for 100 bucks or get a better kicker for 100 bucks, uh, nothing wrong with that. But also nothing wrong with, having a few hundred dollars left over if you feel like you've got the best value from the team that you've got out there. Okay. Uh, well, thank you, Brian, for joining us. It's Brian, again, Brian Sweet, the DFW Daily Assassin. Uh, I think your articles drop on Friday. Is that right? They come out early Saturday morning. Uh, you'll see them, I think, 7, okay. seven 8 o'clock Eastern time Saturday morning. Okay, so make sure you make sure you jump on DFW before you set your your lineups there. And he's he he covers both of the main sites there with FanDuel and DraftKings. So if you prefer one or the other, we got you covered uh, both ways. So Brian, thank you for joining us. Thank you for the for the great insight, and hopefully we can have you come on again a little bit later as the season really gets going. Absolutely, love you guys. Thanks for having me. No problem. Have a great day. Okay, that was a great knowledge again, once again, from another another talented person we have on staff here at DFW. So uh, uh, always always fun to feature the, feature the great guys that we have here. Uh, we were doing a little sell high action. So uh, Nick Nick did his recapping. Nicky Alfred Blue, Eddie Lacy, and then who else did you have? Uh, Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning. How could I forget Peyton Manning? Um, <laughs> All right, so that was those were next. Um, I'm going to go Giovanni Bernard. I think, you know, Hugh Jackson did say yesterday that Jeremy Hill is still starting running back on this team, and I, and I think, uh, oh, my son has a my my uh, sorry, my Tom Brady loving son has a a macro thing on our computer. Every time you type the word Peyton Manning, it Peyton, it auto-completes it to Peyton Marion sucks. Um, but anyway, that's how deep the <laughs> football runs in our family. Uh, uh, Giovanni Bernard, Hugh Jackson, has said recently that Jeremy Hill is still they're starting to running back on this team. And I believe this is a power-running team, and Nick talked about them struggling early. But I think 
I think if the team gets, you know, if they continue to play like they do, which is surprising the heck out of a lot of people, including me, I think they're going to need this running game. And I still think Jeremy Hill is going to be the man. Um, I also think a lot, uh, I think as a general consensus, I'm not saying it's always the case, but these smaller backs tend to break down with Nick with uh, extra workload. So that always scares me about those smaller guys when they get more involved. Um, Joseph Randall, I, I just, really don't like the guy nor can I think he can keep up his pace I mean he had you know an awesome first quarter and then this team just kind of went in the dumper dumper after that last week you know if someone offers you another young promising back or a first or second round pick for this guy you got to take it I mean it's his value is not going to probably not going to get any higher than this uh Tyrod Taylor is another one I think it's a great story but uh you know any Kool-Aid taste great over you know like three weeks of ice essentially uh i think his value is going to taste more like room temperature coffee if he has one really bad game so uh this could be a good time if you know somebody that lost romo or you know uh big ben breeze uh just say hey you know i got i got tyrod sitting on my bench you know he's probably outscoring your starter blah 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 let's see see if we can figure something out um just a couple more here uh jamal charles you know he's just He's not a spring chicken anymore. That's an overused term, but I think if you can get a haul or a package of picks for him, you got to do it. Um, you know, unless you're really contending, you're really, you know, you're undefeated, but uh, or if you're 0-3, I think it's it's really something to consider moving that because I think now is the time you can get a really good value out of those players if your team is not doing so hot. Um, and uh, Nick, you're not going to believe this next name, but because uh, you know I love but Eric Ebron, uh, he he's produced three straight double-digit PPR weeks to start the season. So, you know, somebody might overpay. Maybe there's a Lions fan in your league uh, who has the urge to own Ebron. I, uh, to quote our buddy Bruce, I'm just saying, just saying, hashtag just saying. Uh, I, I, I don't, I'm not trading Ebron myself, but, uh, you know, if somebody is really in desperate need, you know, Julius Thomas has been yet declared to play. Um. Uh, other, you know, other issues like Tyler Eifert not being a consistent player. You know, Ebron has made some nice plays early on, uh, and as a part of this, certainly a part of this offense. You know, and uh, I tend to be one year ahead on players like I was with Ebron and DeAndre Hopkins. So, uh, man, look out next year. Ebron could be awesome. But anyway, I, I somehow changed that into something else. So high in Ebron if somebody offers you a whole lot of money. So. Uh, We'll leave it at that. Uh, let's get to some sit em or start em. What do we think about Joe Flacco? The 0-3 Joe Flacco and his Baltimore Ravens rivalry game on Thursday night, tomorrow night at Pittsburgh. Or would you consider Andy Dalton versus uh, the Chiefs? What do you think, Nick? Well, this is a tough call. I think they both have pretty high ceilings. Uh, you look at Flacco, he's got two straight 300-yard performances, but in week one he had 32 attempts and only 117 yards. But, you know, to me, I think this Kansas City defense is angry after getting embarrassed on Monday night. I think they're going to hold Andy Dalton under 250 yards in this game. So I'll take the upside with Joe Flacco this week. It, but but it is pretty, it's pretty neck and neck. Yeah. This is a hard one. I, I think I'll go Flacco, too. You know, he's been a somewhat of a disappointment so far this year. Um, but, you know, he has been able to still feed Steve Smith the ball. And uh, the the secondary on this Pittsburgh team is weak. Um, I think Pittsburgh's going to contri- 
going to try to control the clock. So I think you're going to see Baltimore take some real shots downfield. Um, uh, I know Crockett Gilmore is out for that game too. So, uh, you know, Max Williams might be a nice sleeper in daily formats. Uh, but I think you're going to see them really try to stretch the field because Forsett's been not really getting it going so far. So I'm going to, I'm going to lean Flacco there too. Uh, what do you think, Nick, about Melvin Gordon versus the Browns or TJ Yeldon at that porous Colts well, in week two, uh, Gordon had 16 carries com- uh, compared to Danny Woodhead and Brandon Oliver's eight combined carries, whereas last week Gordon had 14 carries and the other two running backs had 13. So this kind of looks like a possible running back by committee forming in San Diego. So I'm going to take uh, Yeldon and just hope that the Jaguars aren't down 20-3 to three at halftime like they were last week against New England. Not because I just don't like Yeldon. But I, I got to go Gordon. I mean, look look what Latavius Murray did to this Browns team in the dog pound. Now they got to go to San Diego. Uh, this is the week to own him in, in daily. This is the week to start him in, in, in all formats. You, you got to roll Gordon. Latavius Murray had a career day against these Cleveland Browns. So you got to, excuse me, you got to roll. You got to roll Mr. Melvin Gordon. This is This is the week, I think. Uh, what do you think about Amir Abdullah at Seattle or Charles Sims versus the Panthers? Kind of RB 1.5 situation here, Nick. What do you think? Well, I, I hope this is not a choice for anyone. I mean, these two combined for 34 yards rushing last week. Ugh. You know, I'd be scouring the waivers for somebody like Josh Robinson, the Colts backup going against Jacksonville, either the backup San Diego running backs, you know. But, you know, this feet to the fire, I'll, I'll take Charleston. It's just because he's not playing in Seattle like Abdullah. I mean, that's just a death trap for running backs or offensive players in general playing in Seattle against that defense in the 12th man. And Charles Sims, more he didn't have a lot of rushing yards. He did score a touchdown last week for the Tampa Bay uh, Buccaneers in the receiving game. Um, Tampa, or excuse me, Tampa, excuse me, the Panthers are, are a little beat up on defense. So I'm, I'm going to go with Sims too. I think he gets, I think he maybe gets five to nine receptions this week, and maybe, maybe he finds the end zone too. I think uh, this Panthers defense. Knows a little bit how to stop Doug Martin, so I think uh, Sims could really be a nice factor back in this game. Okay, Nick, I've finally eliminated Andre Johnson. I just don't know what to think. I, 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 I can you? I mean, we're gonna maybe get to him later, but I, I almost would think I would drop Andre Johnson if I owned him in the leagues right now. I just, I mean, what is the? I don't even know what his receptions on the season are, but he is just. Just Moncrief, Dorsett, T.Y. all seem to be really a nice part of the equation there. And, and Andre, and maybe it's the same thing with the new uniform, but he just looks big and kind of overweight and just slow and old. I, I don't know. So, anyway, I take took him out. I'm going to go a couple of juicy matchups that everybody wants to play, but let's say you have a stud wide receiver and you're thinking about who to play in your flex or who to play as your wide receiver too. Is we pit Steve Smith against Pittsburgh or Amari Cooper at Chicago. So Smith at Pittsburgh, that's a Thursday night game, or Amari at Chicago. What do you think? 
Well, even though I took Flacco earlier, and if Flacco's successful, Steve Smith's going to be successful. But I'm going to go with Amari Cooper here. You know, Chicago's, Chicago is struggling to find their identity on defense, as evidenced by trading two of their linebackers this week. So I, I just think Cooper is the safer bet in, uh, amongst these two players. Was Jared Allen really ever a linebacker? I mean, I know he's listed that, but I think he's going to – <laughs> He's going to have his hand in the ground in, in Carolina. We'll 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 think we'll leave at that. But uh, uh, I agree, man. Two minutes into that game last week, Amari Cooper had three racks for 50 yards. I mean, and he straight up injured Joe Hayden without even touching him. I think Joe Hayden like pulled a hip because Cooper juked him out so bad. And that is Joe Hayden. I mean, that's I mean, it's Joe Hayden. Uh, yeah, I, I, Cooper's just not a rookie, and he said on NFL AM yesterday that he doesn't feel like he's accomplished anything yet. Uh, and it's just a kid that has his head in the right place. Oh, what a juicy matchup. I, I got I to gotta go Cooper. I mean, I feel like maybe Smith could have another day like he's, like, uh, like he's had the last couple weeks where he gets 10 receptions. But I think Cooper has some t- – maybe his first multiple touchdown game this week. So I think that's going to push him over the edge over Steve Smith here in my eyes. Um, Weird, kind of a weird one here. I don't know how much we can trust Ruben Randall, but he finally, I think week two he had one catch for five yards and week one maybe two catches for like 16 or 28 yards, something ridiculous like that. But he jumped off the map, and of course he was on my bench last week. Um, But now Cruz appears to be playing. So what do we think about Ruben Randall at a very tough Buffalo defense? But he could potentially be the third receiver, so he might be the odd, the odd man to open, we'll say. Um, or your boy Pierre Garçon versus Eagles. What do you think, Nick? Well, first off, I should mention I just uh, got a notification on my phone that uh, uh, Victor Cruz suffered a setback with his injury in practice Ooh. today and pulled himself out of practice. So that could affect this uh, equation a little bit. But I still think I'm going to go Pierre Garcon, especially in PPR leagues. Uh, Garcon, he's got five or more catches in every single game this year, whereas you mentioned Ruben Randall, one catch for five yards in week two. He was on my bench last week as well. Uh, <laughs> but Buffalo's got a pretty solid defense. And, you know, that being said, Randall's probably a safer bet for a touchdown, but I think uh, Garcon is a safer bet for more catches and yards. So it just depends on what you're looking for. Okay. Uh, even if Cruz plays, it looks like reports are saying that, you know, they're going to slowly increase his workload. Um, side note, have you seen that Victor Cruz, Odell Beckham Jr. commercial where Cruz is setting his mm. fantasy lineup? Nick, have you seen, have you seen that one? And he, and he, chooses Julio, he chooses Julio over Odell. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, it's, it's a good time. Anyway, check that out if you haven't seen it. I'm sure you could find it on YouTube. But, uh, yeah. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Randall here, and I think because Rex Ryan is is a great defensive mind, he's gonna make priority one to stop the big weapon on this defense, or excuse me, on this Giants offense. And I think I think Randall, who who, who is bigger and could maybe hover around the line of scrimmage and make some make some nice plays, I think he could be he could be a key to victory in this Giants team. I think if once Cruz gets going, this Giants offense could be super dangerous. So I'm gonna go I'm gonna go Ruben Randall. Flip over to the IDP side. I got a sh- I I'm really intrigued by this one. I don't know how I can help it, but it had to be teammates and we're staying in the same game here. 
as we put uh, strong safety Landon Collins versus his weak side linebacker in Devin Kennard. What, what do you think about that matchup? Kennard's a nice speed guy on the edge, not necessarily a stack guy. Uh, but both these guys are going to be hovering around the line of scrimmage to stop Mr. Carlos Williams, don't you think? Yeah, I think so. And I think I'd probably go Kennard if LaShawn McCoy was healthy. But the fact that LaShawn McCoy is injured, I think Buffalo might throw it a little more than we're accustomed to seeing. And so for that reason, I'm going to go with the secondary guy in Landon Collins. Okay. Um, man, what a – just just saying this name reminded me, what a, what a steal you got in Carlos Williams in our DFW 16 draft. I don't even – I'd love to see, though, like the first – three running backs maybe that went ahead of him but that was a that was a gem considering at the time Fred Jackson Bryce Brown Anthony Dixon were still all on the Buffalo roster when that trade went or when that draft went down that's it could be a nice piece there for you for the future let's get to a couple defensive tackles um do you think they take offense if I call them biscuit eaters um I just yeah just every time I see defensive tackle I think of that term and I think it Gilbert Brown doing his his shovel dance and whatnot. But anyway, sorry. <laughs> Off on a tangent today. Letter, let's go with Linville Joseph at Denver, at the Mile High City in Denver, or Jordan Hill versus the Lions. What do you think? It's tough. I think I'm going to go Jordan Hill against the Lions just because I think it uh, has a better chance of being a close game, which would lead to more running, whereas uh, in Denver uh, it could end up being – a kind of a shootout, which would negate the defensive tackle's impact, but it's pretty close. Too. Yeah, I think possibly one of the best things to watch in the in this weekend and all the NFL games is going to be that run defense versus Mister uh, AP because AP looks to be pretty darn on his on his game right now and pretty darn solid. So that's going to be, a, I think, a very good matchup to watch as AP tries to go against that uh, that stout defense. I don't, I just, I don't know how how it's going to be even penetratable. I guess we saw Jamal Charles did get 120, 125 rushing yards week two against this team. That was Thursday night on a short week. This this team, this Denver run defense is different. They're different now. I think they probably got chewed after that game, even though they even though they won. Um, and uh, you're going to see, I think, Wade Phillips throw different, maybe some different looks and just different things to really make Teddy force the ball downfield, which is something this team has struggled to do so far. So um, what were we talking about? <laughs> Linville Joseph. Um, uh, I'm going to go with uh, Jordan Hill just because I, don't, I worry about those heat uh, eaters in the mile high city. So I'm going to go Jordan Hill. Uh, and like you said, I think uh, – Closer game is going to tip the scales there. So, sorry, I'm in a obviously a weird mood today. Let's get to are these guys droppable, Nick? What do you think, Terrence West? Now we saw Antonio Andrews come through. I'm sure he's going to be a waiver darling this week. Score a touchdown, looked pretty decent there out of you know out of the the McCluster, if you will, <laughs> here in Tennessee. <laughs> Terrence West is still on this roster. Uh, what do you think? Is he droppable? Yeah, 
I think he's droppable. I mean, the Browns thought he was expendable when even when their rookie running back Duke Johnson was uh, still injured. So, and now, you know, guys off the street like you mentioned are pretty much uh, <laughs> overtaking Terrence West for playing time. So yeah, I would drop him. Uh, a name I didn't write down, but a name that had a lot of intrigue before the NFL season started is Christian Michael after the trade to Dallas. Um, where are all those Christian Michael owners now? I haven't I haven't heard from them in a while. I haven't heard them spouting that, or I haven't heard about people trading a lot of money for him or whatever. So, uh, yeah, those trades, you know, in the NFL, they might seem like they're going to be impactful, but I think with those skill position guys, it's not going to be an instant success when they trade teams like that at that point in time in the season. You know, it, it's just uh, it's it's a weird it's a weird call and. Uh, yeah, I think Christian Michael's probably droppable too, don't you think, Nick? Oh, I agree, yeah. I mean, until you see him actually get some playing time, he's got three guys ahead of him in the pecking order. Um, it's, it's, there's no point in holding on to him. And it's it's so hard to cut a running back in Dynasty, kind of remote value, but uh, uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a long road there, for I think, for him to even make an impact in Dallas. There are a whole string of injuries. What do we think about Kenny Stills? I mean, did they even issue this guy a helmet when he went to Miami, Nick? I just I haven't. I feel like they haven't heard a darn thing from him. Yeah, this is another guy that it appears it's it's okay to cut him at this point. It uh, looks like his value was completely tied to being in New Orleans and playing it with Drew Brees and that high-scoring offense. And, yeah, he's done nothing. Plus, uh, the rookie Parker, you expect he's going to get more involved at some point. So I think, yeah, Stills will be the odd man out in that passing rotation. Hmm. I don't know. I just don't know. I think as Parker matures, um, and we know, all know Landry's a PPR beast. Uh, there's got to be some targets available for this guy at some point in time during the season. He's still a guy that can stretch the field. Um, we know Miami is just – the whole offense is built on the slant. You know, they're a step up from Alex Smith, Mr. Captain Checkdown. So, you know, Landry's going to get his. I feel like. Parker's going to get his, you know, those post patterns across the middle or kind of those sideline things. If they really need somebody to get downfield uh, in the slot, I think Stills can be that guy. I mean, we and then there's this Rashard Matthews guy who just doesn't seem to go away. He's like in the top 20 receiving. So maybe that's why people think he, he's droppable. But I just don't think because we haven't seen Matthews I mean, obviously, it's a great story. He's put a couple of really solid games together, but I just don't see him keeping it up. I, he's another guy, maybe if you can sell high, and you certainly should, but I just feel like there's too much in Kenny Stills, and maybe this isn't the right situation for him. Maybe he needs to be traded. Maybe Miami needs to start doing with Chicago if they don't get a win this week, but uh, I just don't feel very good about dropping Mr. Kenny Stills. I, I, I know he's not an elite talent. He's never going to be wide receiver one. I don't. I just can't see cutting that guy. Uh, Coney Eli, Nick, what do you think about this guy? Now, Charles Johnson just went on the IOC. But they made the trade to get uh, Jared Allen, who obviously was going to be putting his hand down there. Mario Addison's been looking really good at defensive ends of this team so far. Is 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 it worth dropping the second year guy in Ely? I think I'd tentatively hold on to Ely right now. I mean, 
I know they traded for Jared Allen, but the guy's 34 years old. So you got to wonder, he's probably not an every-down player right now. And with the injury to Charles Johnson, they're probably going to be forced to play Ely more. Whether he's ready or not, that's a question. But the fact that he'll be on the field, you got to hope that he's going to have some sort of impact. So if you've held on to him for this long, I think I would at least hold on to him for a couple more weeks and see how this uh, Panthers defense is going to look with the Charles Johnson injury. Yeah, that's that's a that's a rough one. What do we? Um, I just I maybe I was expecting a little too much out of this guy right away, but uh, like you said, opportunity is going to be there. So if you really need a roster spot, I suppose you can you can you can you can give him the pinch. But I don't think I don't think I'm going to hold on to him for right now. Um, Charles Johnson, the wide receiver, Charles Johnson, um, in Minnesota. We just haven't. Seeing this Minnesota, I think this is kind of an underlying story that not a lot of people are talking about, but this Minnesota passing game does not look very good. I know they're 2-1-1, but uh, Charles Johnson just really hasn't done anything so far. What do you think? Yeah, one catch for nine yards last week. Uh, you mentioned the Minnesota passing game has struggled. Teddy Bridgewater only 121 yards last week. So, uh, and they did win. So it's it's not like they were unsuccessful. They they won the game by a pretty large margin there against San Diego. But as far as Charles Johnson and fantasy, I wouldn't cut him just yet because because he is still starting there. But I would hesitate to actually start him in a game. Yeah, and do not start him versus Chris Harris in. <laughs> um, to lead this week, that's for sure. Um, what do you think about Haloti Nada? Now, I had I had aspirations that he could, you know, not necessarily fully fill the Nick Damakin, excuse me, Sue role there in Detroit, but he just really hasn't done anything. What do you think? I think it's so hard to predict defensive tackle numbers. Uh, um I think I would hold on to him just for the fact that Detroit's been down in so many games. That tends to uh, lead to their opposing teams running the ball more. So if that trend continues, then you, you got to figure his numbers are going to rise at some point, right? Yeah, and I know he's old, and he's probably in the last couple of years of his his career. But there, you know, if you're in a defensive tackle required league, there's usually somewhat decent defensive tackles available. So, you know, if, if there's a young rookie out there that's scoring a little bit more than him and, you, and you're wondering, I just don't feel like I could trust that rookie, maybe Ornata, who's might just feel a little bit comfortable and get a little bit better each and every week in this, in this new defense form. So it, it's a hard call because he's been such a, such a great player, you know, been one of the top players at his position, even if it's not necessarily been IDP-wise, but he's just been such a, a, a notable player at that position for so long and it's, it's 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 hard to do that, um, and again, it's a thing if you need a roster spot. But I think if you can hold on to him, I think you're going to have some, you're going to see some decent games out of him uh, this year. So make sure you consider that. Uh, Nick, did you have any guys for this this segment here? Uh, no, I didn't. I thought your list was pretty long enough. So. All right, cool. I just want just wanted to make sure there's nobody you're thinking about because most of these guys are guys that I own. So uh, actually, well, I, I, I but anyway, <laughs> I will ask, I will I will put you on the spot and ask you one name, uh, DeAnthony Thomas. He's a guy I've long been a fan of, but I'm starting to have question marks about him now. Um, do you have any thoughts on DeAnthony Thomas? Just on the spot. I know you've not prepared for this. I think if you have him on your roster right now, 
you obviously have the room. So I I, w- I wouldn't cut him until you know until somebody else emerges. You know, think about guys on the waiver wire right now that maybe you're getting a little little more production. You know, like a the the third and fourth guys in New Orleans, uh, Willie Sneed and, and and Brandon Coleman. You know, if somebody like that is out there. I would maybe maybe do it for that. Or like a Seth Roberts in Oakland, but uh, I yeah I don't I I think if you have him I wouldn't necessarily cut him you know he might be on your short list of guys to cut when you need a roster spot but I think you know he's not a guy that's going to be uh, a week to week play but if you need you know on a bi week filler or your league requi- gets uh, points for. Return guards or at the best ball, he's obviously a little more attractive in that area. But I, I feel like as this if if this offense gets a little more comfortable actually throwing to wide receivers, I think that's going to help him out. So if you have him on your roster, you have him there for a reason, and you probably have the roster space. Um, if you need roster space, obviously he he could probably go. But I, I, I don't know. It's it's a hard call because he could be one of those guys that could really really explode and you know be a big part of this offense you know for years to come. But I, it's you got to start one start to wonder if the clock's truly ticking on him as an as an NFL player. I know he certainly has his role, but if, is it a role in this offense consistently? I I don't know if I can answer that right now. So. That's a good one. Uh, I know that he's available in a lot of my leagues, but I, I just don't have the roster spot, unfortunately. Um, let's get to our dynasty dilemma. Uh, this week we have David Johnson versus Matt Jones. Uh, like I said, if you read the Q&A on Saturday, I was I wore the Matt Jones slipper, if you will. But today I had the chance to go first, so I chose... David Johnson, um, and uh, we'll get to all, we'll get to all of that. But let's listen to the music first. Welcome to the Dynasty Boost Podcast. Nick Hales of the Redskins was there, and Joshua Johnson here to make. Wrong clip. Sorry. <laughs> okay, here we go. Okay, so I tried the other shoe of this dilemma during the Q&A last Saturday, and I called David Johnson a gimmick player for the next couple of seasons in a pass-heavy offense. You know, Johnson's going to be an up-and-down performer and a frustrating lineup decision week to week. Uh, also, I said referring to Jones that he that the Skins' offense is predicated on having a workhorse tailback, and Jones will be their RB1 in 2000. 16. Um, I stewed and blended on those thoughts for the week or so, and I, and I, and I really relished the challenge of defending the, the Johnson side. So I, I, I pondered the skin's future and if Jones will actually be still be a main focus. You know, this team is kind of in flux, and we don't even know who the quarterback's going to be next year. So, I mean, obviously that could be good news for fantasy owners, but we could it could also for of Jones, but it could be bad news if this offense goes in a totally different direction. You know, could there be a coaching change in Washington this offseason? Uh, or could Alfred Morris take less money to stay with Washington? We're stuck in a committee situation. 
Um, is it possible that Jones will will not make the necessary adjustments week to week to remain successful? Um, there also there also might be a, a learning curve, you know, before he's actually truly knighted as the RB one in Washington. Um, David Johnson, he reminds me a whole hell of a lot of my boyhood hero, uh, Marshawn. Uh, you know, his gentle production progression should do wonders for him psychologically. Uh, Chris Johnson will be retired by this time next year, and Andre Ellington will probably hurt him. At least Johnson with nothing but reps to prove himself as a dual threat dynamite dynasty stalemate. Now, because we're so thorough here at DFW, we do scouting reports in the offseason, and I want to dig up my David Johnson scouting report here. Um, I said back in April that he reminded me of another of a of a Vikings running back by the name of Chuck Foreman, a, a, a great dual threat back for the Vikings in the 70s. Uh, he also reminded me of another Vikings running back from the late 60s named Dave Osborne. Um, he's a very smooth double threat. Uh, he's a tremendous. I think he'll be a tremendous player to audible with in this in this creative offense. And I think he's got he's got more moves than any other back in this class and. Uh, I also I also just wrote down uh, wanted to refer to his Iowa tape as he literally just pissed on Iowa in a game during his uh, his his last year there at Northern Iowa. I did write down some cons. I think he lacks some leg power when rushing up the middle, and he's going to need the bulk up to gain extra yardage. Uh, I don't have a scouting report on Matt Jones because he wasn't supposed to be drafted inside the top six rounds. I know opportunity brings the dinner bell, but considering these guys could potentially both be RB1s in their teams next year, I think I'm going to go with the more complete back in David Johnson. Nick, what do you got for us on that, Joe? Well, this was a tough dilemma for me because I do love David Johnson. I have turned down like three trade offers for him in one league, but he is not without his question marks. Like, why is he not getting more playing time over Chris Johnson? 23 touches for Chris Johnson to 10 for David Johnson. And, you know, when Andre Ellington returns, who's going to be the RB2 there? There's got to be a reason, which I'm guessing is probably pass protection issues for Chris Carson Palmer. But there's got to be some reason that David Johnson can't get more work than uh, CJ2K. I just hope he figures things out. But you know who doesn't have a quarterback worth protecting? <laughs> That's right, Washington. Cousins, Griffin, <laughs> McCoy. If one gets hurt, oh, well, he's probably going to only a game or two from getting benched anyway. Matt Jones proved he can play at the NFL level in week two. 19 carries, 123 yards, and two scores versus a very good St. Louis run defense. Uh, in week one, St. Louis held Marshawn Lynch to 18 carries, 73 yards. In week three, Le'Veon Bell, 19 carries, 62 yards. So it's not like he was running on a bunch of scrubs. He ran on a very good defense. And he seems to be getting a larger share of the workload every week. In week one, Alfred Morris had 25 carries to Jones' six. In week two, Jones had one more carry, uh, 19 to 18. And then last week, Jones had nearly double the carries Alfred Morris received. So while there is concern that some weeks Morris may have the hot hand, more often than not, Jones could see the majority of the workload moving forward. And at the very least, Jones has done enough to show the team they don't need to spend big money on Alfred Morris, whose contract is up after the season. So he could be a feature back in 2016, while David Johnson will likely be splitting time with Andre Ellington still in Arizona. Good argument. Um you know, this is just really kind of a kind of a preference thing. I, I I do hear what you're saying. You know, David Johnson, they they might be really just hesitant to really make him their RB one. 
I think he, sh- I think he should be, and I think he has the potential to do that. But this is just really, really a preference thing because, you know, I no offense again, Nick, but I don't know if Washington's going to be very good again next year. So, do you want to own a a, a a nice committee back and a high flying offense, or do you want to own a, an RB one on a bad team? Is kind of the kind of the line you have to tread there. And again, no offense, I, I. You no, know, none, none taken whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. um, if you want to vote on this dilemma, just go to DynastyFootballWarehouse.com right now. I think the votes were four to Johnson, three to Jones right now. So that is including my vote for my player. Um, but this is this is a good dilemma. And this is suggested by Jay Myers, our uh, our fearless leader here. So he he really put us to the test, and I I really enjoyed making Nick talk against his David Johnson because I know how much you love him. So I, I know you said it was a hard decision for you right away and that's exactly why I why I took Johnson because I wanted to see uh, I know I gave I know I gave you a skin in return, but I wanted to see see how you talked against Johnson. Because it's always good to make a you know, I think it's good for dynasty owners to really think about the, the cons of the guys that you like so much. So maybe something for you to consider. Um what if Alfred something popped in my head and you were talking Nick what if Alfred Morris Dallas is running back next year? That could be interesting. But anyway, um, let's get to some dynasty trade analysis. This is just a crazy, crazy trade here. Uh, Jordan Matthews for uh, Josh Hill. Uh, is he still in the NFL? I, don't, I, I haven't really heard that much from this guy. Josh, or excuse me, Jordan Matthews for Josh Hill, Chad Greenway, a 2016 second round pick, a fifth round pick, and a sixth round pick. I won't repeat to you what Bill Suri said this trade was, but it was funny and graphic. Um, what do you think about this one? Um, I think somebody got uh, Jordan Matthews for a pocket full of change. I think that's a steal. I love getting Jordan Matthews for, you know, yeah, he didn't even have to give up a first round pick. Love it. Yeah, I think getting Matthews or anything less than a first-round pick is, even though Greenway had a nice pick six last week, it's uh, it's an old linebacker. So yeah, that's uh, it seems to be uh, yeah, an easy decision there. And again, we don't know what this league involves, but that's just that trade was just too crazy not to talk about. Uh, Amari Cooper and Martavius Bryant. Plus a 2016 second round pick for Mike Evans in the 2016 first round pick. Now, right away I thought, geez, that's way too much for Evans. But then they gave up a first round pick as well. Uh, what do you think about this, Nick? They gave up the first, but they got a second in return, right? Yeah. Okay, then I, I don't have a problem with it. I like Amari Cooper more than Mike Evans, uh, Martavis Bryant. Also, you know, as long as he keeps his nose clean, he'll be a productive player. So I, I like this trade from the side and picked up Cooper. Yeah, and I think it's fairly even. I mean, you gave up Cooper, but you're getting Mike Evans and another first in return. I don't know if there's an Amari Cooper in the 2016 draft just yet. Um, and you're getting a second as well. And I think if, if Martavius can stay healthy and out of trouble, that would be interesting. Um, I read some really weird things Monday morning about how Martavius Bryant has apparently been in treatment because he was addicted to marijuana. I, I, I don't really know if that's actually a thing, um, but that's, <laughs> that's a different topic for a different day. But uh, 
I'm glad I got rid of Martavius Bryant. I, I don't know what his future is going to hold. I like him. I think he's got a whole lot of talent. But if he continues to use illegal substances, he's going to continue to be in trouble with the NFL. Even if you know the NFL has has doesn't outlaw it in a couple of years, it's still he's still under the NFL right now. So I, I, I I'm a little nervous about that side, but. Uh, I think Amari Cooper has showed early on that he is going to be a player, and I am very happy he is wearing silver and black. So I'll go with the Cooper side, too. Let's continue to put Mike Evans' side to the test here. Evans for TJ Yeldon, James Jones, two first-round picks, and two third-round picks. That is a whole lot for Mike Evans. What do you think, Nick? Yeah, it's a whole lot, and I think it's just too much for Mike Evans. Uh, we don't even know if his quarterback's going to be a legit quarterback in the NFL yet. Uh, two firsts, two seconds, and, I mean, T.J. Yeldon, he was probably a late first, early second round pick for the team that got him this year. I, that's just too much, in my opinion. Yeah, it's just – it's. I don't know that. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It's just I want to know more about this trade. I just I'm not quite not quite sure where where all that is coming from. And you know maybe maybe this team is really on the precipice of winning, and they needed to to back it up with what they think is a solid RB one. But you're you're really giving up a lot here to get to Mike Evans. So uh, each and every week we do a little bit something that we like to call Nick Rants. It's where I give my co-host Nick the floor to kind of rant about something that's bothering him or on his mind. And, uh, yeah, usually it's football-related. Sometimes it's controversial. Sometimes I like to call it shots fired. But this is what we collect to call Nick Rants. Nick is going to talk about a certain quarterback that wears gold and red this week. Nick, what do you got for So I've never been a big, uh, I've never been a big Colin Kaepernick fan. I admit there is some bias here, but I just can't understand how this guy is still starting for San Francisco. Not only has he shown zero progress in his development, he almost appears to be getting worse. You could see it in the preseason when it took him until almost halftime to complete a pass in one game, and you could definitely see it last week against Arizona. Nine for 19, 67 yards, four interceptions, two of them returned for touchdowns, and to his credit, he accepted full responsibility for the loss. So maybe he's more mature than he was when he was photographed wearing Miami Dolphins gear a while back. That had to just be the most boneheaded move from a football player I've ever seen that didn't involve criminal activity. Uh, the 49ers admitted that they had to scale back their offense for Kaepernick. But Arizona safety, the Honey Badger, said it was so scaled back and simplified that it was very easy to read. Uh Gulp. <laughs> you know, I understand the back of quarterback Blaine Gabbert doesn't inspire much confidence, but I'm pretty sure he could top 100 yards and only have three interceptions in doing so. Uh, you know, finally, I just have to say that former 49ers head coach Jim Harbaugh, he's receiving many accolades this week for his Wolverines big win over BYU. But to me, it's far more impressive the fact that he never in three years fielded a losing team with Kaepernick at quarterback. He might be the best football coach around. You know, throw out 2012 when they went to the Super Bowl. The NFL just wasn't ready for the read option guys like Kaepernick and RG3. But they went to the playoffs again in 2013. In hindsight, that just seems to be incredible to me. Josh, any thoughts on Kaepernick? I think he's their starter because Blaine Gabbert is their backup quarterback. <laughs> I, I, you know, 
I would choose Kaepernick a hundred times over before I would even consider Blaine Gabbard. I just, I yeah, it's. I want to know what the hell happened to Kaepernick that first Monday night against the Vikings because he looked like a changed man. He looked poised. He was never controlled. He just looked like he knew what he was doing that entire game. And that was obviously just a one-week thing because, like you said, he's just progressively got worse. I don't know if – I've seen some bad NFL games from, from some players, especially being a Raiders fan, but that was just – one of I think one of the worst games I've ever seen out of an NFL quarterback. It just, and I know Arizona's a hot team right now, but that was just a really, really interesting experience to watch Kaepernick melt melt on Sunday against that defense. Who do you think's been a bigger disappointment this year so far, Nick? Justin Forsett or DeMarco Murray? Now, obviously, DeMarco was pulled out of the game or didn't play at all last week, didn't even suit up. But Forsett had what? 10, 10 carries for 14 yards last week. I mean, neither one of these guys just got it going. These have all been, you know, late first round, early second round picks. We, we haven't got anything from them so far. Uh, I would say the four set has to be the bigger disappointment just due to the fact that people are starting him every week. I mean, if you draft him that high, you pretty much have to start him unless you have really good backup options at running back, whereas uh, DeMarco Murray owners were fortunate enough to know that he wasn't going to play before the game last week, so they were able to get somebody else in there and at least get a handful of points, hopefully. So, And it seems like Philadelphia's kind of gotten things figured out on offense. Hopefully Murray, when he's back in the lineup, can put up the same sort of numbers that Ryan Matthews put up last week, whereas Forsett, we just don't know what this Ravens offense, or the Ravens running game anyway, is going to look like moving forward. Well, and I don't know what the Ravens really have have for a plan with that running back situation, because you looked at it um, in the in the loss to the Raiders, Lorenzo Taliaferro was, was a big part of that offense. I think he had one touch the next week. So I just don't even know if they not are sure what they're doing. Obviously they're trying to get that win, trying to get off off the snide, but I just they I think they're just trying to do anything they can to get a win and, and you know, maybe that means Forsett is not, you know, not the not the fifteen to twenty touch guy. If they need to spread it out a little bit more to help him be more effective, that could be the excuse me. That could be the situation, and that unfortunately is bad news for Dynasty owners. Uh, Nick, what do you got for us for a Dynasty depth charger this week? Well, you know, such as is the case for most fans turned analysts, I usually get excited when I have the chance to hype a player from my favorite team. But that is not the case in this instance. Uh, Washington third down running back uh, Chris Thompson got a lot of playing time last week in an ugly loss versus the Giants. And if the skins are as bad as we thought they would be heading into this year, that could become the norm, not the exception. Not the exception. Now, in a standard non-PPR leagues, I don't know if I'd touch him, but he could end up being a wave of wire gem in PPR format. Last week, he led the team in receptions with eight catches on 11 targets. 57 yards and a touchdown, plus 29 yards on the ground. Now, the games that Washington keeps close, Thompson won't be a high scorer. But remember, they only won four games last year, three games the year before that. They're playing from behind more often than not. Do we think they can keep it close versus Philly team that seems to have figured things out this week? Or how about their next three road games, at 3-0 Atlanta, at the Jets, and at New England? 
I mean, for right now, it's Kirk Cousins' team. But if he continues to struggle, then it'll likely end up Colt McCoy's team, then Robert Griffin's team, then, I don't know, Tony Dunn might be called the the lead again. Whoa. The point is, <laughs> the point is that if, if Thompson stays healthy, he could wind up seeing a lot of action this year. I, I'm not going to come out and say that he'll have a better fantasy season than Alfred Morris, but if he did, it wouldn't shock me either. When you told me this name, I thought, man, that's kind of a homer pick. But you, you explained it well. You explained the situation, how things are going there, and it, and it makes sense. So if you if you need a little help PPR-wise and the rest of your squad is dinged up, I think uh, Thompson could maybe bridge the gap, especially looking at uh, their matchup and who, and who they're playing. So, And he's certainly somebody that I know is, I can almost guarantee is going to be available in 95% of leagues. So, so look, look to Chris Thompson. We are now finally to ATS time. Our dear Chuck has been waiting patiently, 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 so patiently, and I'm going to patch it through right now. Yeah, I almost forgot about the music there, Josh. Notice how I hit the post there? Yeah. <laughs> it's from my former DJing days. Why does your voice sound better over top of this music? Keep talking. I don't know. It's uh, what is it? Ten minutes before the hour of noon here in the Pacific time. Ninety-nine <laughs> degrees outside. High today should be one hundred and one again. Unseasonably hot weather here in the Las Vegas area. <laughs> oh, I think I just shed a tear. That was that was brilliant. That was brilliant. You're listening to the Dynasty Pulse. You're listening to the Dynasty Pulse podcast. Hey, um, before we get started, can I uh, put in a plug for my uh, my company, Segway Las Vegas, here, real quick? As always, they're the ones. They're the ones that gives me give me time off each week to do this show. So I guess I should say, any of you out there who are planning on coming to the Las Vegas area, Segway Las Vegas has some great tours around Las Vegas. Plus, you get to ride a Segway. Uh, all you need to do, I could give out a number, but nobody ever remembers numbers. So just uh, just look up Segway Las Vegas when you get here. We have a website. We're on Facebook. Uh, just about any way you can. And uh, and if you want to, request me, and I can be your tour guide. If you don't want me, you can request somebody else. It doesn't hurt my feelings. But uh, <laughs> when you come to Las Vegas, have a great time and ride a Segway. Okay, that's it. Chance that's my are shameless recognize. Yeah, that's my shameless. Chance plot. are you recognize that? Velvety, that velvety voice, yes. All right. We have a rivalry matchup Thursday, but before, uh, I think somebody was 5-0 and o on their uh, article picks this weekend. Yeah, well, but nice work. I, I, I think we all did well. For those of you who listen each week, you know that I have a column called Inside the Lines on Dynasty Football Warehouse every week, and this week I, I got a little lucky. Yeah, the, the, the one that I was close on, I had the uh, – I had the Titans plus three and a half. Uh, by game time, it was down to three, but it didn't matter. Plus three against the Colts, and we got that. Uh, that They call it a backdoor cover here when a team will come from behind and score a touchdown late and beat the spread. Mm-hmm. But in all honesty, the Titans were uh, pretty much whipping up on the Colts the whole game until Andrew Luck brought them back and, and got them that big lead. Uh, yeah, certainly a, certainly a good game to watch there. Yeah, that was that was a close one, but I I was keeping track for you, and uh, I was ten and six, happy to say, and we were three and three on our on our uh, sweet picks. So three and 
three and three. Uh, I had five. I had I I had five and three. Five and three. Okay. Yeah, we got the Steelers and the Panthers and the Raiders and the Cardinals and the Bills, and we missed on the Redskins. Redskins, Bears, and Chiefs, but uh, five and three right. is uh, is good enough here in Las Vegas, Josh. Yes. Well, I forgot to ask a couple of those. So yeah, five and three, I like it. Um. Oh man, Chicago's bad, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. <laughs> just, uh, yeah, they are. They they really are. <laughs> okay, rivalry week, Thursday night, Baltimore at Michael Vick and the Pittsburgh Steelers. What do you got for it? Okay, these are all the latest lines that I have from uh, from the uh, Westgate Las Vegas. So let me check that one out real quick and make sure I'm still. I have uh, Baltimore, the Ravens, favored by two and a half on the road at the Steelers. A winless team favored on the road uh, against a uh, division rival. Oh, let's let Nick go first. I, I'm going to take Baltimore. I think. I... It's not that I don't think Michael Vick is going to put up fantasy production for the Steelers. I just don't know if they're going to win as many games as they would have with uh, Roethlisberger, who, in my mind, is a top-five quarterback in the NFL. So I'm going to take the desperate Ravens to win this one. Uh, I'm going to go with Chuck's wounded dog theory here and and take Pittsburgh. And Michael Vick, like Nick said earlier, is no rookie. You know, he's got experience. And uh, I think all the Pittsburgh Steelers need to hear is that they're home dogs against us, and they're going to be mad. So I'm going to give me the Steelers if they're getting points at home. What do you think, Chuck? Yeah, for all the same reasons uh, that I said when I told you the line, the Ravens uh, on the road. I mean, think of how ridiculous this is. The Ravens are 0-3, right? They haven't won a game yes. this year. Now now they're going to play the, the Pittsburgh Steelers, who who hate them, no matter who they have playing a quarterback You know, behind there. They don't have Roethlisberger. But, uh, but the wounded dog theory doesn't hurt, and it doesn't hurt that it's the Ravens. And uh, we'll look for the team to pull together behind Michael Vick for at least this game, uh, simply because it is, uh, it, is a big, uh, it is a big rivalry. I think two and a half points is a gift on this game with the Steelers. I'll take the Steelers. It's pretty hard to imagine the Ravens going 0-1-4, but, yeah, it's, I think it could happen. Um, let's shift overseas, not not to the overseas books, but for an actual NFL game in London, the Jets at Miami. Jets are one and a half here um, at the, on the latest line. They were up as high as two. They're down to one and a half, the Jets. Uh, I... You know, these are always weird games. I th- I think last year when it was Detroit and Atlanta, pretty sure I lost some money on Atlanta because it just seems too <laughs> easy. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to the Jets here. Just because they're off, they're, the, the Dolphins are down. I know they're not out, but they are down. But I think the Jets are going to be mad after – after somewhat of an embarrassing loss that they made made look good at the end. So I, I'm going to go with the Jets here. Nick, what do you think? Yeah, I also got to go with the Jets. The Dolphins just seem to be a mess right now. And for only one, one and a half points, I definitely got to take the Jets. 
Well, you know what they say, when things are a mess, it's good to have a change of surroundings. I think the trip to London is just what the Dolphins need. I think they look at it as a good opportunity to get their first win of the season. And as you guys know, weird things happen over there in London. Um, I am going to go ahead and take the Dolphins for no other reason than that, that they're getting a point and a half. Okay. Now, this is essentially a neutral site game, even though one team's going to be wearing their home jerseys. So correct me if I'm wrong, but if this game was in New York, it would be four and a half, Jets minus four and a half, or if it was in, if it was in Miami, the Jets would still be a slight favorite. Is that right? No, they usually give them, it depends on how much you give somebody for home field advantage. I would say, you know, the lowest you really give anybody is like three points. So if it were in Miami, uh, the Dolphins would be favored by one and a half to two points. Okay. All right. I'll accept that, I guess. Uh, Still love the Jets. Uh, Atlanta hosting Houston. What do you got for us on the line there, Chuck? Uh, The Falcons, at last look, were favored by, well, hang on, it's now six and a half. It was six last night. When I wrote them down, it's now six and a half. Okay. Atlanta's favored, by the way. That seems seems like a whole lot lot of points, but I, I feel like Atlanta just has the juice, and especially at home, and I, and I really like and respect this, uh, this defense, but I, I just, I just can't get behind it, get behind them, especially on the road until they've proven to me a couple games in a row. So I'm going to go with the Falcons minus a six and a half. I don't love it though. Nick, what do you think? Uh, I also have to go with Atlanta. The only way Houston's going to be uh, win this game is if J.J. Watt scores a couple of offensive touchdowns lining up a tight end, but that's not something you can predict. They just kind of randomly do that. So I'm going to have to go with Atlanta here. 3-0 and Falcons go to 4-0. and All right, Chuck, what do you think? I heard an interesting fact this week, and that is the – and I had to look – I had to check on it, and it's true. The Falcons – have trailed in the fourth quarter of every one of their games, even though they're 3-0. and They've had to come from behind to do it. Um, they haven't faced a defense like the Texans yet. They played the Eagles, the Giants, and the Cowboys. Um, I think Atlanta may win again, but I think they'll again have to come from behind in the fourth quarter. Uh, six and a half points is too much to give a team with a really good defense like this, and uh, I will take the, the uh, Texans. Okay. No oh, when did, Nick, did Nick take did Nick take the Falcons there? Yes, yep. I did. Okay, I was marking these down. All right. So no sweeps yet. Um Buffalo hosting the New York Giants, potentially with or without Victor Cruz. What do you think? What do you got for us, Chuck? The Bills uh Hang on, I will check this uh, and give you the latest check. But last night, the Bills were five-point favorites. They are still five. Buffalo is at five. They uh, went up as high as six and a half and have come back down to five. So that means uh, a lot of money put on the Giants. Okay, Nick, what do you think? Um, well, first I want to ask Chuck, are the Giants one of those teams that the public tends to put a lot of money on, seeing as there's so many people that are from New York? Yeah, I, 
I haven't ever heard. I, I haven't heard heard any rumblings like it, it's it's not like it's Notre Dame or the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, but you're right. There are a lot of Giant fans out there. You know that's why it's so cold at the Meadowlands because there's a Giant fan in every seat. <laughs> Where's the drum roll? Yeah. <laughs> uh anyway, no, I don't think I don't think it's one of those things. I don't think their popularity moves the line. I think uh, a lot of people looked at that and thought, you know, it was at six six and a half and then everybody pounded it down a point and a half, so it'll probably stay at five and maybe go back to six before game time. Okay. Okay, so, uh, I, so I think I still have to go with uh, Buffalo. But, I mean, the Bills, they're playing really good football right now. The Giants beat the Redskins. Whoop-de-doo whoop there. I mean, come on. Uh, I, I think the Bills can win at home. They can easily win the class touchdown. What was the line again? Five. Five points. Five points. Oh, man. Oh, that's a rough, that's a rough run. I I I feel like it's too much. I feel like I feel like these teams are a little bit more even than that. So I'm going to take the Giants. Not not super confident on it, but I'm going to go with the Giants. I seem to have every reason to take the Giants on this one, but I something inside me says that I want to play the uh, the Bills. I I love their defense and I love I love them at home now. Let's see. They've only had one home game, right? The Bills. I'll tell you in a second. Uh, I think no. If they oh had no. To, they well. They, they, yeah, they, they had the That's right. They had the Patriots at home. Um, nonetheless, I just feel like the Bills are kind of on a roll right now, and I think Rex Ryan will just keep them going. It's a lot of points to give to a team, especially a team from your own state. But I think the Bills. Probably win it in uh, you know, like like twenty to three or something like that. I'm going to take the Bills uh, minus the five. Okay, well, since uh, since it's both of our teams against each other, Chuck, I'll, I'll defer to you since you're the home since you guys are the home. T- what do you got for us, Oakland at Chicago? Josh, did you take the Giants on that last game? Yes, I did. Okay. Okay, Raiders and Bears. Raiders on the road. Uh, somebody told me this is the first time the Raiders have been favored on the road in their last 73 games uh, on the road. I'm not sure. That's just one of those things that was in the back of my mind and my memory banks. But uh, Raiders are favored by a field goal over the Bears. <laughs> so you get a pick first. What do you got? I think this is one of those. Uh, you know what I think happened in Chicago? I think John Fox just said, okay, who wants to be here and who doesn't? And he got rid of the dead weight. Uh, Bostick was one of those guys that the Bears always had high hopes for. I think when he came in, they were looking for – remember the Bears always The Bears always seemed to have a great middle linebacker, and I think they expected Bostick to be that, and he was not. I think somehow Bill Belichick will find a way for him to become an all-pro in New England, but Bostick just didn't fit in. I think there is a little – a little bit of us against the world against uh, with the Bears now. They got rid of a couple guys they probably didn't want. Uh, I looked for a big effort, and plus the fact that the Raiders, you know, when a team is not used to being favored on the road, it it's it's a different. It's kind of like instead of being the hunter, you're the hunted. 
Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna look for the Bears to uh, to uh, eat this one out. Although you know I do have Amari Cooper on my fantasy team, I still will take the Bears plus three. Even with Jimmy Clausen. Yeah, well, you know, he, <laughs> <laughs> I think you'll see an inspired effort by the Bears this week. Let's put it that way, though, Jimmy Jimmy Clausen or, or or whoever. Well, and it sounds like Alshon's going to be back, and they do still have Forte, but I I feel like I should take the Bears in this game just so I'll be happy either way. Um, but uh, I'm really not going to put any money on it, so I, I got to take the Raiders. I think this is one of those games. If you're going to become one of those teams that people fear and that people respect, you have to win this game. There's no reason that you can't, and it's three points. I mean, this game should this game should be. I mean, if it was an Oakland, it would be six. And I I think you you had some some stats there for us earlier, Chuck. Last week uh, was. Um, the Raiders' first road win since 2013, uh, their first win in the Eastern Time Zone since 2010, and their first win in Cleveland since 1985, I believe is what it was. Right, um, they're celebrating. And, we got a desperation versus celebration game going on here. Yeah, oh, here we go. <laughs> uh, but I got, I got, I, I love a home team dog. But I got, I got to take my Raiders. I'm too excited, too excited to not, to not, and they they have to take this game. Nick, what do you got? Well, I think it's Chicago uh, was coming up here healthy with Jay Cutler at quarterback, and they were three point dogs. I would take, probably go with the Bears, but Jimmy Clausen against Derek Carr, I have to go with the Oakland Raiders to win this one. Okay. What's next here? Cincinnati hosts Kansas City. Um. Jeff, why was there no line on this game until this morning? Cannot tell you that. I know I looked at it last night, and the Bengals were favored by four. Um, uh-huh. Was somebody hurt that I that I didn't know about? Yeah, I don't. I don't believe so. No, I thought maybe maybe because Kansas City played Monday night, that's why it took a took a day. But um, yeah, I don't know. That, uh, well, here's here's it, Josh, it, here's what I here's what I have on it um, on the 27th, which was uh, Monday, Sunday. What is this Wednesday? Yeah, that yeah, was Sunday. It was uh, Sunday. it was uh, it was three points Cincinnati. They took it off on the 29th and then put it back up again yesterday morning at three and a half, and then it went to four. <laughs> Uh, shortly, well, about 12 hours after that. So as of last night, it's been four, Cincinnati by four. Okay. Cincinnati is one of those teams that likes to let you down when they build confidence in you. They like to build you up and then tear you down in one, in one really bad off week. But I don't think this is going to be the week. I think um, I think this could be a good game, but I think the Cincinnati Cincinnati's a tough odd at home and Kansas City is not a very good road team, uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take Cincy in this one. I don't, I don't love it, but I'll take Cincy minus four. Nick, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I'm also going to go with the Bengals for pretty much all the reasons you just said. Uh, it's tough, and I probably wouldn't actually put money on it, but I, I, I think Andy Dalton, he's playing really good football right now, so even if they can't run the ball against that good Kansas City front seven, I think I think Cincinnati still wins the game. Okay. 
Well, I'm going against both of you on this one again. Um, the Chiefs. I, I, I'm looking. I'm looking for a little hangover from the Bengals game last night. Those, uh, you know, whenever you go in and play the Ravens, those are uh, very, very tough games, interdivision games. There. Um, I just think the Chiefs need to have a good effort. I think you know, four points. I'm looking for maybe a field goal either way. So, uh, I'm going to take the Chiefs. They they are a good team. And I don't think the Bengals have played a defense this good yet this year, so uh, we'll look for a close one. And I'm going to take—I'll take the Chiefs. Okay. Um, are, and are, are me, I was just wondering, Chuck, if you think me and Nick's maybe reaction is a little typical to what people watched happen to Kansas City on the national stage. I mean, let's face it, everybody gets slaughtered in Green Bay, but to watch it, people maybe tend to overreact to a team that loses poorly on a Monday night? Yeah, it might be, but you have to remember uh, added to that is the way the Bengals looked on Sunday. A lot of people saw that game, and uh, they just they just looked awesome. I mean, how many points did uh, did A.J. Green have uh, in, in, in fantasy? Um, mm-hmm. and, and Andy Dalton, for that matter. I, I just, you know, the, the Bengals have surprised me all year this year, so it wouldn't be, surprise me to uh, to see them come out and get a 10 to 15 point victory. Um, and then we'll learn something about the Bengals if that happens. But uh, I just got, you know, in a, with a good, t- I think the Chiefs are a good team, and when I can get more than three with a good team like that, I'll take them. Ah. <sighs> And this this is a weird week. I'm not looking. I'm just looking at some lines on Yahoo. But there's like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games. Not not a full 16 game, but eight uh, eight eight of the 15 games this week are more than a field goal, which is interesting. Or actually, maybe even more. Uh-huh. That. So that's that's a, an interesting week here in the NFL. Let's get to another big line as uh, Jacksonville goes into Indianapolis. What do you got for us? Well, it's now nine points, and let me check that one more time. Yeah, it's still nine. It uh, it's been anywhere between nine and a half and eight and a half all week. So it's it's now nine points. Uh, by the way, the Colts are favored by nine. No, oh, okay, just making sure. Yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know these. It seems weird. You know, you want to say nine points divisional game, but this is this is a team that no one that rash. And this uh, this defense for Jacksonville is still missing some key people, you know. And, and even if they played, I don't think it's going to be 100%. So, and I think this passing offense just really got going last week, and I think they continue to do that at home. You know, want to get that home team, that home crowd back behind you. Not that they're ever going to walk away from any club, but they really want to inspire that home crowd. So, I, I I'm going to take the Colts minus nine. Again, I don't love it, but I I, I I see them winning this game by 10 points. That's that's pretty feasible. Nick, what do you think? Well, I saw an interesting stat. Uh, I think it was on Pro Football Talk that uh, Andrew Luck right now has the worst quarterback rating of any quarterback in the NFL. So I I, I just can't pick a team that's got the worst quarterback rating. Yeah, I, I love Andrew Luck. I think he's got a great future, but something just seems to not be right uh, right now in Indiana, in in Indianapolis, so I, I have to go with Jacksonville to cover the spread. Probably not win, but they'll cover the spread. Well, I have to keep 
keep shaking my head at, at people. I mean, how many games does it take for us to realize that a team isn't that good? The Colts, the Colts are not that good right now. I don't know if they're going to be good by the end of the season, but right now they aren't that good. The Jaguars played a game against the Patriots last week. Just disregard that one. They they are not a bad team. And they're they're good enough to stay within nine points of the Colts. Put it that way. The Colts are oh are are two are one and two, and really, if you watch the game last week, they should be zero oh and three right now. Uh, nothing is working. The Jaguars have uh, have a little bit of uh, face to save after last week's game, and uh, I think the Jaguars. Everything points toward the Jaguars keeping this one close at least. Okay. No sweeps. We're really we're really into it this year. We're really overanalyzing and thinking about these. Yeah, things. I think you're. I think you uh, may be right. <laughs> uh, Carolina making their first visit to uh, Tampa Bay during the Jameis Winston era. What do you got for us? Started out Carolina favored by two and a half. It's gone up to three. There's uh, there's not much activity on this one. I looked at it and kind of yawned. I don't know. You know, whoever I pick here is just going to simply be a, 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 a dartboard pick, and I'm going to take the Buccaneers <laughs> because they're at home, and I don't think the Panthers are are that you know that powerful on offense. Uh, the over under for this game is 40. By the way, that's a rather small over under. Wow. Yeah. And in a and in a low scoring game, you, you got to take the points. So I'm going to take the plus three with the Buccaneers. Okay, I'm going to go Carolina, just because I know they're favored on the road, and I love a good home team dog. But I uh, I just feel like they're going to want to let uh, let Mr. Winston know what's up. This is how we do it here in this division, and I think they're going to make a make a statement and and really really win this game. And and maybe maybe even make it look bad. I don't think they are, they'll ever take their foot off the pedal this game. So I think hey. I think that three points is pretty fair. So I'm gonna make actually make a road favorite my lock of the week. Hey Josh, I got to ask you something. Yeah. Because I I just realized I don't know this. Did the did the Buccaneers pick up a new kicker this week? How did their kicker get hurt? No, he missed two field goals and one extra point last week. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Uh, uh, I guess I I don't know because he's been he's been pretty that Kyle Brisda I think is who you're talking about I think he, he was money the first couple weeks so I'm not yeah I guess I'm not sure what they did okay well I I haven't heard anything but if if he hits a couple field goals we'll have a lot better chance with Tampa Bay yeah, yeah. Nick what do you think um, I have to go with Carolina Tampa Bay they just don't look in sync right now only nine points against the Texans and they were uh, at Houston last week, so they're at home this week. But still, I I think Carolina, Cam Newton's playing pretty good football. He's pretty much putting that team on his shoulders right now. I think he's accounted for every single touchdown the Panthers have scored this year. Um, so I have to go with Cam Newton to win this by more than a field goal. Okay. Doesn't look like they brought in a kicker, so they're going to – they are going to stick with Mr. the Rookie. Uh, and by the way, I didn't know this until about 45 minutes until the podcast started, but it is International Podcast Day, and we're doing a podcast. So how cool is that? Today is? Pretty awesome. Today is International Podcast Day. I don't know how they come up wow. with these days. Yesterday, yesterday was coffee day, so I had a lot of coffee. Maybe that's why I'm in such a weird mood today, but uh, it's International Podcasting Day. So happy International Podcasting Day to my podcasting homies. And- 
And the um, strange thing is, by the time a lot of people listen to this, it won't be National Podcast Day anymore. Yeah. But that's the beauty of a podcast. You can listen to it anytime you want. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, Philadelphia going to Washington. Do we have another home team dog here, Chuck? We have Philadelphia at last check. Started out at two and a half, up to three and a half. It's settled now down to three with a little juice. And I say, and I and I kind of don't want to get into these, but if you if you took the Eagles minus three, you had to give up one twenty instead of one ten on that bet. But I go strictly just by the point spreads for our for our purposes. So the Eagles are favored by three points at Washington. Okay, Nick, I'll let you go first. Um, when it comes to Washington, I, I got to quote Dennis Green: "We they are who we thought they were. <laughs> They're just not that good." So I got to take the Eagles in this one. Okay, uh, I'm, I'm going to agree there too. It's just a field goal. I know it's hard, probably, for a, a NFL team to be more than a field goal dog at home, and I think. I think there is a reason they're a dog at home. So I, I think Philadelphia continues to continues and gets a winning streak going here at Washington. So I'll take my Philly minus the three. Chuck, what do you think? Remember last week's game, the Eagles and the Jets were desperation versus celebration. The Eagles were the in the, the team in the desperate mode. Um, I think Chip Kelly is still in that mode. And when they come up against a game, they think they can win, then they've got to win it. So I'm gonna I'm. You know, it may not be a three-point victory, but I'm going to look for a really, really good effort out of the Eagles this week, and sometimes that's all you can ask. So I'll take them, uh, the Eagles, minus three in our first sweep. Our first sweep. Can't believe it took this long. Um, Okay. Uh, San Diego hosting the Cleveland Browns. We got another big spread here? We have the uh, San Diego Chargers, seven and a half points. Favored over the Browns. Let me see, let me tell you where this line went. It went. Uh, it hasn't gone a, a, a lot. It, it went up to eight and a half, then down to eight, then seven and a half, and eight, and then settle it, settling in at seven and a half. I just want to tell everybody that Philadelphia is a lot safer bet than betting on the Chargers. I would not bet on this game. Um, but you know, San Diego has not looked very good. Uh, you know, Cleveland looked bad and then they look good and then they look bad so now they have to go on the road and their run defense is terrible and i and i think if san diego gets a lead they'll be able to lean on their running backs especially against this defense so i'm going to take san diego and i will never put money on it even if i know the result i just i just i I don't like it at all but i'm going to take san diego minus the seven and a half nick what do you think um, I halfway agree with you. I would not put many, money on this game, but I'm going to go the other way and pick Cleveland, especially with that hook there. I mean, you look at the Browns only lost by seven to a pretty good Oakland Raiders team. San Diego just doesn't – they don't inspire a lot of confidence. And, you know, historically over the last few years, San Diego is one of the toughest teams to pick. But I'm going to go with uh, Cleveland to at least cover the spread in this one. An interesting thing to note on these two teams that they is that they they really really are a different team at home as opposed to being on the road. Uh, except for the first half, the Chargers looked like uh, Super Bowl champions against the Lions in the second half. Uh, they had things going, 
Then they go and and now think about this one. Week two, they played at Cincinnati against the Bengals and lost to them by only five points. Uh, but what the Bengals have turned out to be one of the NFL's better teams now. So a good showing on the road. Last week, they kind of got steamrolled by the Vikings. Don't know what happened there, but I do know that we'll get a good effort from the uh, from the Chargers at home against the Browns this week. And I am going to, you know, I, I'm going to take the Chargers, but I also am in uh, – in one of those uh, eliminator pools, and I, I think I'm going to make the Chargers my pick this week in that. Also, I think they'll they have a good chance of winning the game, and and uh, and if they win, you know that seven and a half point spread it always makes me suspicious. Like like the uh, the books need need people to put money on the Browns, you know, and people think, oh, you know, if they lose by seven points, I'm still a winner. Uh, so it looks like they're they're just baiting me to take the Browns on this. So that's another reason I'm going to take the Chargers. Okay. We repeat, do not bet on this game. You can find you can find a college football game maybe if you really need to bet this week. I bet. <laughs> uh, Minnesota at Denver, kind of another big spread here. What do you think? Shocking. Yeah, the Broncos favored by six and a half. Oh, I I just don't trust that Minnesota passing game as of yet, and this is a very very good defense. Um, you know, and I think the, the worst, the, the best thing for this defense to control Adrian Peterson is for their offense to get a lead and then they won't, Vikings won't be able to lean on Adrian Peterson. So I, I think Denver wins this by a touchdown. I, I just don't have a lot of confidence in, in a young team like Minnesota going, going up in the mountains against a against a, a really experienced team that has a very, very solid defense right now. So I'll, I'll take Denver. Um, and I'm pretty confident about it. Nick, what do you think? I agree. I think uh, Peyton Manning and company can win this by a touchdown. Uh, if it was uh, late in December and the Vikings were used to playing cold weather and then going up to Denver, I think that would be a different story. And this could be a lot closer of a game, uh, especially with Minnesota's running game with Adrian Peterson. But I think this time of year, Denver and their passing attack can win this by a touchdown. It's interesting to note on this game that the the line on Sunday before the Sunday night game between the Broncos and the uh, and the Lions, uh, the Broncos were favored by four and a half. And after that Monday night game, the Broncos they went up to minus six. So somebody must have liked something they saw in Denver. You know, so many people talk about the Denver offense. Can Peyton Manning get it going? You know, and air it out and everything. Uh, I, I think the Broncos' defense is probably the def- best defense in football this year, and Teddy Bridgewater is going to be up against something that he that he hasn't seen yet. Uh, I hope they have a good game plan. I think you know you, you almost look for the Broncos' defense to score at least one touchdown in this game, and for that reason, I'm going to take the Broncos. Okay, sweep. <sighs> yes, a big a big divisional matchup here is St. Louis goes to Arizona. St. Louis has been kind of another hot and cold uh, team. We'll say hot, cold, cold, I guess. Uh, but uh, now they got another, got another big spread here for us, Chuck. Seven points. Wow. I had it at six and a half last night, Josh. It's now up to seven. Okay. Well, I, I just I, for some reason I think 
special teams that's going to make a difference in this game. Uh, but I think both teams have some pretty good special teams. I don't know how each team does against coverage-wise, but I think both teams could potentially make a special teams play. But um, I like Arizona. I just think they're the better team right now. It is a touchdown, but uh, and a divisional game. But I, I just, I gotta, I gotta give it to a home team like Arizona just because they're so hot right now. I love that St. Louis defense, but I gotta go Arizona. Nick, what do you think? You know, I worry a little bit about a letdown game after Arizona's huge win over San Francisco, I think, what, 47-7 to or something like that. But still, it's a lot of points for a division game, a seven-point spread. But uh, as long as Carson Palmer's playing quarterback for Arizona, it's really tough to pick against them. So I'm going to go with the Cardinals. Hello? Chuck, please. Yep. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was looking at the uh, the Arizona Cardinals. You know, uh, a big thing, and everybody saw it. The uh, Cardinals got a couple of defensive touchdowns um, really quickly in that game last week, and so you know the 47 to seven score. Uh, it, things kind of snowballed after that because it put the Niners in in immediate catch up mode. You know, not a, not a whole lot of chance to. Uh, to get their running game going. So it was one of those snowball games, even though it looks big, 47-7. to seven, uh, Without those two defensive touchdowns, maybe it's a different story. I love the Rams' defense. I don't think the Cardinals have faced it. They faced the Saints, the Bears, and the 49ers. This will be by far the best defense hmm. the Cardinals have faced all year. Um, I'm going to take the Rams plus seven. You know, I had them plus six and a half, and now I'll take them plus seven. Okay. Yeah, I don't necessarily disagree with that either. That's I made mean, some good points. Keeping in, by, you also have to keep in mind that Jeff Fisher uh, gets his team ultra prepared for teams in his own division. So uh, if the Cardinals are ever going to get a scare out of somebody, it's going to be uh, against the Rams. Okay. Uh, Green Bay at San Francisco. What do you got for us, Chuck? Packers at San Francisco. Well, you know, just if I put my own line on it, I'd say Packers by 80. Um, <laughs> Green Bay is favored by eight, so one-tenth of, of my spread. And the history, well, actually the Packers were nine and a half to start out, so they've gone down a point. And it actually went down all the way to seven and a half for a while, and it's now at eight. Oh, yeah, I thought if any – if, if Sometimes I like to look at the games and think, what if one of them is going to be a double-digit one? This is going to be the one. So, because it, this one is not, I guess I got to. I guess I got to go Green Bay. I think too easy, but and maybe that gets us in trouble sometimes. But I got. I think Green Bay wins this pretty handily. Aaron Rodgers back on his old stomping grounds, just home, going home essentially to California. Yeah, Green Bay. Nick, what do you think? Oh, I agree. Green Bay all the way. Unless Steve Young's coming back to play quarterback for the 49ers. I, this Kaepernick, I'm, I'm just over the whole Kaepernick thing. So, yeah, go Packers. Oh, you guys. You have little faith. What did I just say? The Niners, you know, had, had two defensive touchdowns scored on them and, and ran into a, just a buzzsaw on defense. They're also a different team at all. Really, really different team. Uh I don't know if if their performance on Monday night, the first game of the season against the Vikings, was indicative of, of, of how they're going to play at home. Uh, I, I just hate to tell you, even though how, 
even looking at how awesome the Packers are, and and I love to bet with the Packers, I just cannot give up eight points. It was nine last night, and I thought, well, yeah, now it's eight. I still, I'm still feeling like somebody who knows something is taking the 49ers in that game, and I'm going to go ahead and jump on the 49ers bandwagon and uh, count on the fact that they're going to, you know, Green Bay will probably win by a field goal or a touchdown, and, and that's okay with me. I'll take the, uh, you know, if, if, if I'm wrong on this, don't ever let me take the 49ers again uh, for the rest of the year, okay? I'm going to take the 49ers. All right, New Orleans at Dallas, Sunday night. Yeah, there's not a whole. I guess it's the Drew Brees thing that's making uh, the line scarce on this one. The only line I can find is from uh, uh, is from a company called CG Technology, who makes lines, and I believe they're an offshore sports book. But the only line I found on this, and the only one we're going to have to use, is uh, is uh, plus is four. New Orleans favored by four over the Cowboys. So do do with do what you want with that one. Oh. I think Dallas is besides who their quarterback is. I think Dallas is too good of a team to to be that to bet that big of a dog. And and I know Dallas has gone to New Orleans a couple times in the last few years and got embarrassed. And I know Jason Garrett will remember that. And I think they'll be ready for this game. So I'm going to take Dallas plus the four. Nick, what do you think? Yeah, um, especially plus four. I have to go with Dallas as well. Uh, New Orleans just seems to be a match. We don't know if Drew Brees is going to be back. Um, and Dallas, I know they have Brandon Whedon playing quarterback, but they're at home. And according to Jerry Jones, Brandon Whedon is the prettiest pass by any quarterback ever in the history of the game. So <laughs> I think I'm going to have to go with Dallas. I don't, I don't know what to make of this game, you guys. Um, I, I'm trying to figure out if Drew Brees does play quarterback, if that line will go up, or if he doesn't play, the line will go down. <laughs> I think they put the, the spread right in the middle between what Drew, whether Drew Brees, if you know, if he plays or if he doesn't play. So uh, four points. I don't see any reason not to take Dallas. So I, I guess I'm going to take Dallas. I mean, um, I, I just like the. Uh, I, I just like the spirit behind their team right now. The all, the us against the world. Even though they lost to Atlanta last week, they hung in there and played really, really well for most of the game. So um, I'll take the Cowboys, and I'll be really interested to see what the the line on this game is before before it comes at before the game's played on Sunday. Okay, just so everybody knows, we are picking this game based on it being the Saints minus four. So uh, last game. Another big spread, which kind of surprised me here, as Detroit goes to uh, Seattle. What do you got for us, Chuck? Yeah, 10 points. Seattle, uh, Seahawks favored by 10 in this game. and You can get a couple nine-and-a-halves out there. Let me uh, just uh, for the uh, for the heck of it. Yeah, it started out at nine-and-a-half. It's gone up to 10. So, you know, a lot of the betters are on Seattle early. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I just. I, I know Detroit's 0-3, and, and it is the Lions, but I just – that's too many points. I That's too much That's too much Seattle love there. I'm, I'm going to take the Lions, and it burned me last week, but I'm, I'm going to take the Lions. That's too many points. I just – they're not – yeah, that's too many points. Nick, what do you think? Uh, Ten points is a lot, but I look at last week and my results, and pretty much all the games I lost was because I thought – or a lot of the games that I lost 
was because I thought the team would cover the spread, and then they didn't like Jacksonville against New England. So I think Seattle is going to blow out the Lions. So I'm going to go with Seattle, even with the 10-point spread. Well, you've got to remember, I mean, the Seahawks played the, the Seahawks were favored by 15 over the Bears last week in double digits, and uh, the, the Lions' offense is way better than the Bears. I mean, I, I think, you know, if the Bears could have scored a couple touchdowns, they could have covered that spread easily. Now you have the Lions who uh, who have the manpower to score a couple touchdowns. And, and how many points are the Seahawks going to score? I, I, I would say that the Lions' defense is at least as good as the Bears' defense. Um, when you have a team that doesn't score a whole lot and does not have a dynamic offense, it's a lot to ask them to cover a, a double-digit spread, even though they are home, you know, and they have the 10th man up, or the 12th man up there. Uh, <laughs> um, I, You know, the, the Lions are going to score enough to keep them in it, and uh, the, they may even win the game. The, the Seahawks may be without Marshawn Lynch. Um, I, I, I love the Lions this week. Okay. Well, that is all we have for you here on the other Dynasty Pulse podcast. Um, just 15 games this week. Uh, hope you hope you enjoy it and you don't miss uh, New England or Tennessee that much. Uh, we'll, we'll talk to you all next week, as always. Uh, big thanks to uh, to Chuck for joining us and uh, our daily assassin Brian Sweet for joining us a little bit earlier. This has been the Dynasty Pulse podcast. Uh, hope everybody has a great weekend and hope all your fantasy teams. Uh, take the the cake and win. So thank you guys and, and have a good day. See you, Josh. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Bowl Podcast with J.D. Gilkey, Roger Swagger, and Josh Johnson. Diana, people.